Welcome to the Nicholas Natalia Show, where we chat with entrepreneurs, experts, and entertainers to help you live a more fulfilling life and take your business to the next level. This is part two of chatting with Travis Chapel. And if you haven't listened to part one, go on over to part one, tune into that episode, and then rejoin us here. A quick recap Travis is the CEO of Guestio.com. It's like Cameo for podcast appearances, and he is the host of the Top 25 Business Podcast, Build Your Network. He's coined the term interview marketing, cracking the code on how entrepreneurs can build, grow and monetize their podcast through creating the right relationships. He's connected with people like Shaq, Manny Pacquiao, Josh Peck, and many more high-profile individuals in this episode will be completely uninterrupted. Talking absolutely ad-free, but the deal is if we're going uninterrupted, before we dive in, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. These shares and reviews help me reach out to guests, which in turn bring more value to you on how to live a fulfilling life. Riddle of the week, what do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. That was the intro. Now here's the episode. When I was putting money on that card and I knew that I was that like the balance of that credit card was becoming greater than my total like cash in my bank account, it makes me nervous. But also it motivates the hell out of me to go make sure that I make enough money to pay that card down before I have to start paying interest on it. So it was like a 12 to 18 month zero interest period. I never had to make an interest payment on the card. I paid it off with business revenue from the podcast that we started and went full time with it within 13 months. Dang. I'm glad that you were motivated and not digging a hole that you ended up being terrified in with 42,000 on the cord. Was there any fear involved? (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it didn't feel good, you know, because like I said, (laughs) I'm a frugal guy, but like I started thinking of it in terms of like, if somebody's going to start a business, it's going to cost them more than $40,000 typically. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever the business is, a smoothie shop, certainly buying any sort of franchise like a McDonald's franchise over a million bucks to start. Oh Subway is one of the cheapest ones and it's like 150 grand still. And 150 grand for what? The potential to make 60 grand in profit every year? And obviously, it's it's a much more sure. It's it's a solidified asset. It's a business that you can sell. You can exit it. You know, you can hire a manager that runs it. You can just take the profits. Like I'm not downing that, but what I'm saying is, like, people were so willing to invest six figures, multiple six figures, or seven figures to jump into a business. And it's like this business, this podcast thing, has the potential to make multi multiple seven figures from anywhere in the world. Allow me to talk to my heroes. Like it's my dream business, and I'm not willing to put forty grand into it. Yeah. Like. 40 grand is not that much money if I'm trying to make a million. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. The problem is people typically will go fill up that credit card with all the stuff that they want to go fill it with. Uh, Meaning like they want a new TV and they can justify the expense because they're going to use that TV for their studio. They want to geek out on audio equipment. They want to go get a new computer or desktop or something like that. I was investing in me. Of that $42,000, probably 35 of it was events, masterminds, or coaching, or courses. Something about my knowledge and my connection inside of the space. The other, you know, five to 10 grand was like hard assets, like I need a website, or I need a, I need artwork design, and I'm not a designer. You know what I'm saying? And actually, I think my first, no, I think I got a design on 99designs, yeah, for like 100 bucks or something like that. But I'm saying like, the majority of the money that I was investing was in stuff that made me better poised to turn this into something that was actually going to be profitable. It was not me looking for excuses to go buy my dream car so that I could like run advertising and be like, Oh, look at me with my cool car. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't just doing 
You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was strategic. I, I don't want to put out the idea to people that it's like spend whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. The the idea is not to just go fill up fifty thousand dollars on a credit card. That's not the idea. The idea is to do what it takes to get to the point that you want to get to. And probably the problem is you. Mm. The bottleneck is you. It's knowledge. It's experience. It's information. It's something that you don't have that you need to go get in order to improve yourself so that you can become capable of doing the things that you actually want to do. Because odds are right now you're not. Man, that's powerful. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to invest? And where do you need to improve so you can leverage your business? Yeah, that is powerful stuff. Let's chat about Guestio now. Then speaking of businesses, yeah. it's like cameo for podcasts. Guestio is the world's only marketplace to find professional guests and platforms, which is wild to think that this is a software company. That's the coolest thing about it. It's like when I think of Airbnb, everybody thinks of homes. It's a software company. It's a software company, too. My background is in software, so I can only imagine the moving parts that go along with Guestio. But part of this process was starting with raising venture capital, and you raised $1.3 million in seed money in the first round of funding. What was that experience and process like to raise that money? Uh, yeah, so it, it was through angels, uh, actually, mostly. So angels. it was not institutional or VC. But uh, essentially what it was, I read this book called Blitz Scaling by Reid Hoffman, who's the founder of LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, he goes into like, here's parameters around whether or not your business is a business that should be blitz scaled. And so I read that book and I was like, if I'm going to tackle this problem, the bootstrap thing is not going to do it effectively. I need to go raise money. So we, we ended up raising the 1.3 million. So it was, it took me like six to eight months to raise the first, you know, half a million. And then it took me like 30 to 60 days to raise the next like 700,000, you know? So the, the first capital in was a di most difficult, um, went through my warm network, mostly people who I had interviewed on my podcast, uh, the network that I had built through being in the online space for a while. Anyway, it helped that it was in the industry that I was already in. So I understood the problem better than anybody else. And then just got a couple, few votes of confidence from, from people that were interested in, you know, being a part of the project long-term. That's super cool. And it's a, such a cool opportunity to be able to do that for a vision that you have for your own business and people come along and help you push that forward. And during the process of getting this business structured, you started to wear the product owner hat. And I'm wondering how that experience, how did it influence your perspective on delegation moving forward with Guestio? Yeah, it sucked. Um, <laughs> I am not, I'm not a product guy is what I found out. And frankly, when I started the business, I didn't even know that tech and product were two different things. That was how green I was to building software. No idea. I just thought, you know, you have an idea, you build the software. Like what, what's, what's difficult? Come on guys. Come to find out product is a completely separate thing that like, uh, has nothing to do with coding. And so I was like, well, you know, I just need to wear this hat because I talked to enough people to know that like a lot of founders were the ones that were head of product before they could afford to hire head of product. Because a lot of times the founder is the one who understands the problem the most, which was me. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do this. So I got in the product thing. I hated it. I did not like the anxiety and the feeling that I had around losing money. Mm. Um, because we were burning capital, obviously we raised money. We're building a product. We didn't have customers and users paying us money. So it was like, uh, I don't like this feeling at all. And so after a little bit, I got to the point where I was like, look, we built a workable version of the product. Let's go start selling it and start marketing it. And so, um, once we started marketing it, I felt, I felt the anxiety lift a little bit more because I was back into something that I felt I was pretty good at rather than trying to force myself to do something that I was not good at, nor would had any desire to really go learn. I feel very similar about marketing, like paid advertisements for the longest time. I just like told myself the lie of I'm going to learn Facebook ads. I'm going to learn them. 
and you know, like you pop open the back end. I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want to learn this. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I need to get somebody else to take care of these things or else like this is never going to get done. Exactly. So like focusing on the strengths, I have found that that is also very important. Like you're saying. Yeah. Right. Tell me if this is true, Travis, you have a goal of ultimately starting your own network. Where are you at in the process and what's your vision for the network? Uh, yeah, that, and that is that is one of one of the goals. Um, I think that most networks don't really do much for their shows. Um, so I would want to start a network for interview shows and make one of the perks, the fact that we connect them to the network of guests that we're building. Uh, and then as well as helping them grow their shows by spending money on advertising their shows for them. The progress that we've made on that is pretty much non-existent at this point, just because we have other projects that have taken precedence and priority. And so we haven't moved forward on that one yet, but it is definitely something I'm interested in doing. Long-term vision. I think you have to have the long-term vision in place. Even if the needle doesn't feel like it's moving forward because you're taking care of these projects, it is yep. for sure. Totally, totally. Switching gears here a little bit. How has having children changed your risk tolerance or perspective when it comes to entrepreneurship? Uh, zero when it comes to risk tolerance or perspective. The only mm. difference is time management. Ah, the only thing that like, I don't know, risking financially, risking things like to me, that's just part of the game. And if you're not willing to do that, if you don't have the stomach for it, then you're not going to do well in this long term. Um, unless you just want to build a lifestyle business. Like if you just want to build the lifestyle business, you make a couple six figures a year work on your own time, do your own thing, you know what I mean? Then have at just it. do that. Yeah. If you want to build something bigger than you, you want to have a good, uh, like an organization that's changing lives, making a big difference and, and making you a lot of money, then the risk is part of it. And I don't know what to tell you if you don't want to risk stuff, yeah. then don't do this. <laughs> that hasn't changed advice. at all. But yeah, but that, that hasn't changed at all. But definitely time management for me has changed. Uh, my perspective on that has changed quite a bit. And it's uh, made me explore a lot more of bringing other people in, help, like paying somebody well to come in and be operations in my business, um, uh, different things like that, just because my kids are only my kids are only like small for so, so long. And so I, I don't want to like work their youth away and regret the not having a close relationship with them when they get older. Um, but at the same time, I'm never going to give up my dreams for my kids. And I don't think that my kids, if they were grown adults, would ask me to do that. And I don't think anybody close to me that really loves me for me would ask me to change that about myself because that's part of me. That's part of who I am. And I know that if I gave up my dreams to just be with my kids, that I would have resentment toward them when I got older, which is not fair to them either. So the answer becomes, I have to be able to do both. So again, well, both is impossible. Well, if it were possible though, what would that look like? And so right now it's looking to me as hiring some senior level roles within the company to allow me to be able to take some of my time and spend it with the kids. I love that answer. I think that's so important too, because you wouldn't be who you are without your dreams. Yeah. And the type of father that you can be is also in correlation to your pursuit of your dreams as well. Does this mean you're a 4 a.m.? I'm talking 3 a.m. to, to 6, 6 a.m. kind of emails in the morning guy now, or is it still, you still have work hours? <laughs> uh, you know, the last couple of weeks I've been a little lazier, not getting up till like 6.30 to 7.30. But... Oh my gosh, that's early. What are you talking about? <laughs> but for a, a long time, I was 
four o'clock, four fifteen every day. My alarm is still set for four fifteen every day, but uh, I've been traveling. When, when I'm on my travel schedule, it's it's really Shifts. difficult because I'm switching time zones and everything's different. And like at the end of the day, getting sleep is more important to me than getting up at four fifteen. And so sometimes if that means that I need to switch my gym session to night and do and just get a couple extra hours in the morning. That's what I need to do because I know that if I lose sleep, I'm going to be a grouch. I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to be not as productive as I need to be anyway. And so like sometimes you got to get some sleep and, and prioritize your health as well. So, but if I'm home for an extended period of time, I'm typically up before five and at the gym. I'm happy you mentioned the sleep component of it because that's, I feel like that's a big misnomer in the entrepreneurship space. It's like, if I don't get eight hours, I'm not going to perform at a high level. Yeah. To be able to perform at a high level, my my mind's got to be sharp. My body's got to feel good. Putting myself in that position to be successful starts with sleep Absolutely. a lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All serious podcasters have a big fat list of people that they'd like to interview. And a quote from you that has inspired me personally, I wrote it down. That's how, that's how you know it's legit, is <laughs> if you connect with the 1%, you become the 1%. So what's your checklist for getting in contact with these big names? We're talking Shaq, Rob Deerdeck, the like. You mean in the context of interviewing them on your podcast? I mean in the context of you in the sense of becoming friends in a way, making a relationship yeah, so, that's meaningful. So step one is start a podcast. Nice. <laughs> um, that's why I asked that question because yeah. like genuinely that's – I, there's no way I would have had conversations with any of the people you just mentioned if it, if I didn't have a good reason to have a conversation with them. Right. Like they wouldn't have just been like, Hey, let's have a chat. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> hey, all Rob. of a sudden when it's, yeah, right. It's like when it's positioned as a podcast, it's all of a sudden a worthy use of somebody's time, especially if you work on making your podcast really good. So you know, like, I mean, same with us, bro. Like we wouldn't be sitting here. Like we wouldn't have been talking for almost an hour if you would have just been like, Hey man, can I pick your brain? Or like, can we talk? Cause we have similar. <laughs> Let me take you to coffee, Travis. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. It would just been like, I appreciate that. But also I can't say like, I don't say yes to all of those anymore. Cause or else that's time. what I would be doing with my time is giving away free advice for a living, which I can't afford to do at this point in my career. So, right. um, but a podcast interview, it's like, okay, well we can talk for a while. You can introduce me to an audience that might be able to come into my world, start listening to my show, allow me to charge more for my services, or they might buy something from me. It gets the attention out. It gets the awareness out about me and my brand, even if it's only, you know, 300 downloads an episode or 80 downloads an episode or 500 downloads an episode. It's like, well, that's people that didn't know who I was before probably that now know who I am because I was willing to come on this person's podcast. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's somebody like you who does a good job, prepares uh, for the interview and and wants to actually make good content out of it, you know, it, it makes it makes it a little bit easier for people just to say yes to it and not ask not ask as many questions. And so, yeah, man, the, that's the that's the Trojan horse uh, to connecting with who you want to connect to is like have a reason to do it. Most people just don't have a reason to connect to people they want. It's like I would love to talk to so and so. And it's like, what? Just ask them a couple questions because yeah. like they're not going to do that. They don't have the time to just like go chill on a park bench and drink Starbucks with you for an hour. Like you're either going to have to pay a lot of money to do that, or you have to have a reason for them to do it. Which a podcast is a great reason to have to to, to get people to chat with you. I love the term Trojan horse in that regard because it's it's so true. It's like 
we're having the same, we're probably having a very similar conversation. Now it's just in the, the context of a podcast. So right. that is the Trojan horse. Travis, we are rapidly approaching the final question of the podcast. But before we do, I want to acknowledge you for all that you're doing. I really do think that you're an inspiration. Your big dreams and your uh, ability to chase after the things that you want is, I mean, it's inspiring me to continue moving forward. And I know it's inspiring a lot of other people to take action, to develop their mindset, invest in themselves and not be afraid to take the leap, make those risks that are worthy of sacrificing to hit that goal. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, Travis, and I'm really excited for what's to come for you. Yeah, thanks, dude. I appreciate appreciate the kind words. It means a lot. Absolutely. The final question of the podcast is, what does living a fulfilling life mean to you? Oh, man. Um, impact, significance, finding meaning. I mean, th- those to me are more worthy pursuits than frilly things like happiness or whatever. I think that's like a fleeting feeling. It's not necessarily something that can be a sustained state. But I think pursuing meaning can lead to those types of things, can lead to feeling fulfilled, doing meaningful work, something that means something to you, something that means something to the people closest to you, connecting with and loving people that are the closest to you, I think leads to fulfillment. Um, those are all things that, that I'm kind of striving for. To me, like money is just the way to go. Money money is just the, the faster way to go accomplish all of those things in my mind, because it means that I don't have to spend most of my waking hours doing something that sucks the soul out of me and doesn't pay me much. And then I have to do that for 40 years so that I can <sighs> afford to live and do the things I actually want to do to me, like making the money now is better just because then I can, the sooner I can make the money, the sooner that I can choose to do whatever I want to do in whatever way I want to do it. And the odds of me finding fulfillment in that context is to me a lot higher. And so that's what, you know, that pursuit means to me. I love it. Travis, where can people connect with you on the internet? How can they say hello to you? Yeah, TravisChapel.com is a good place, just kind of like a hub. You can go there, find Guestio, find my social links, my email, all that kind of stuff, TravisChapel.com. Perfect. That will be in the show notes. Travis, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. All right. Bye. That was the episode. You just listened to it, Travis. Bring in the heat. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. Takes five seconds. Great use of your screen time. One tap of the thumb and you're done. We'd appreciate it. Hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts at Nicholas Natale. And the real reason you're still here, you want to know the answer to the riddle of the week. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. That was a tough one, huh? You're being irrelevant. You're an irrelevant an irrelevant elephant. That one was a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. That one, a little bit of a stretch. Like a long trunk kind of stretch. Now I'm just trying to piece it together. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you on Friday, 6 a.m. Be kind, be strong, be disciplined, be obsessed. Bye!